Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. And we're doing something a little bit uh, different today. Uh, we are definitely going to be doing The Mist for our next movie episode, as we announced last time. Yeah. But we had an opportunity to interview a filmmaker mm-hmm. who made a wonderful movie. It's very strange. It's oh, very yes. funny. It's called I Am a Knife with Legs. Mm-hmm. And the writer, director, star, composer, uh, every ounce of this movie uh, that it we we got to interview the guy who did it. His name's Bennett Jones. Bennett Jones, a uh, fascinating guy, really fun conversation that you're going to get mm-hmm. to hear. Uh, we talked to him for an hour. Uh, he t- he talks about how they made the movie. Uh, it, it, it's just, you'll hear it's fun. Uh, and and stick around because you will get to hear some <laughs> fantastic character work from Bennett. Fantastic character work. Uh, and it's uh, this is something that if you want, I would actually suggest stop the podcast right now. Yeah. Go to IamAKnifeWithLegs.com. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe the other one was I'm a knife with legs. It's like VHS.TV. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. We're going to put all of that on on our page so you'll be able to check it out. But I'm a knife with legs.com. Yes. So you can check out the film. You can see the movie. It's really, really, really funny. Really, really good. And it's nice and short. So if you're planning on an evening with us, spend a little bit of time with the movie. Come back and you'll get some insight into how it was made, which is something that I promise you, you will want. Yeah. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, really. And and the movie is... is (laughs) Really fun and interesting. Uh, if you're curious, both of us reviewed it on Letterboxd, uh, so you can check out our reviews there, uh, and then uh, check the movie out, we hope, at uh, imanfwithlegs.com, and then uh, listen to us talk about it. I think uh, we're going to jump right into... Before, no? we go into the, uh, before we go into the interview, just remember, uh, February 17th yes. at Philomoca, we have the next edition of Movie Movie Live, and it is all stoner movies. Stoner movies, and baby! it's probably going to be a preview to our... All drug movies that'll be coming up on celebration. Yeah. But don't make that a reason not to no. go to this one. Come to this one. Uh, we're, we've been we are, doing a little research, and it's produced some very big surprises oh yes. in terms of yeah. content. So you're gonna, you're gonna want you're gonna want to check it out. There's a hilarious history of weed in movies. So we'll just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we will be talking all about it on February 17th at uh, our game show, Movie Movie Live. Uh, oh, which we have a fantastic panel for uh, Na Poe, who is. Uh, Kind of a, a pretty well known Godfather this point. of Ganj. We'll yeah, call yeah, him. yeah. I don't uh, know if that's someone else's <laughs> title, but I'm giving it to him. He's a, he's big in the weed activism scene. Uh, we've got to Alex Vogelsong, uh, who is an improviser in Philadelphia. She was in the musical that, that is I about. was also in. That is about Na Poe. Yes, and uh, his so uh, and his she federal knows her way detention. Around. Yep. yep, federal detention because uh, he was put in federal detention for smoking weed in public. I'm but, most uh, excited for our third guest, Jeremy Riley, because yes. he's the one who came up to me and was like, "You guys should do a stoner movie show." And we were like, and "I said, well, if we do, you should be on it." Yeah. So here we are. We were like, we feel like we had that idea and then got stoned. Let's yep. do it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, all right. I think that, yeah. So join us on February 17th at Philomoca here in Philadelphia. And uh, now join us for a, a fantastic and fun interview with Bennett Jones, the uh, writer, director, star legs. of I Am A Knife With Legs. Oh, I have a cold, so I may cough here and there. You have to edit that out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about that. We'll just make sure we mark the time code every time you cough so that we know exactly what points yeah. to come back and uh, do it. We're going to cut this this thing down to about three minutes of usable time. <laughs> so it should be good. So um, for everyone who's listening, we have uh, Bennett Jones, the writer, director, star, composer, 
really the the large bulk of the work here for the uh, new movie I Am a Knife with Legs. How's it going, New Jersey? <laughs> How are you, Bennett? Uh, listen, I keep I don't know if you're familiar with this, but every time I try and say the name of your movie, I end up saying These Arms Are Snakes, which is a band <laughs> from like the mid 2000s that is not very good. <laughs> and I, for some reason, every time I try and think of I Am a Knife with Legs, my brain goes These Arms Are Snakes. I love the title. You know <laughs> is my point. Oh, thanks, man. You know, it's crazy. Is believe it or not, so my movie premiered uh, July 2014. December 2014, a band in the UK released an EP called I Am a Knife with Legs. No shit. Complete, total coincidence. And I mean, it's like I couldn't believe anyone would ever think of the same title for any reason. <laughs> and and uh, I almost emailed them and said, hey, you guys might want to reconsider your title because there could be a lot of confusion. But um, Yeah, did I you ever hear anything it. from them? I didn't write them. I I thought about it, and I said, "Ah, you know." Yeah. Well, now, have we'll you listened to any of their music? Oh yeah. Uh, I did check out some. It's uh, wasn't really my thing. It was very electronic. Mm-hmm. Oh okay. Um, but they don't seem to have a. They're a pretty small outfit. So sure. But I just was shocked. Like that's such a weird title. <laughs> yeah. The, the fact that anyone, and I read about now why how the guy came up with the title, and he just sort of randomly writes down odd phrases and that's one of the ones he wrote hmm. you guys were tuned in over the ether yeah that's so pretty weird, wild yeah. so <laughs> uh to start off one of the weirdest things actually garrett and i were just discussing is based on just the movie alone uh i don't know anything about you i don't know <laughs> yeah. uh who's the real you what are you what do you right. sound like all that um you know where are you coming from making this movie tell us about yourself uh, well, it is funny when I when I I've taken it to a lot of festivals, and sometimes I'll do the Q and A. I'll I'll walk out in character, mm-hmm. and then break character, and people are shocked that I don't have that accent. <laughs> yeah, um, which is weird to me because it seems pretty obvious that I'm putting on an act. I mean, just a few people are. Listen, I'll t- I'll tell you that it took me a little while in your movie for me to figure out if you were doing a character or not. It wasn't, not, not it wasn't do- until Steve showed up that I was like, yeah. "Wait a minute!" <laughs> like I knew you were doing a character, but I was I was I was pretty convinced for a little while that that might have been what you sounded like. One of the first. Oh, thanks. Uh, I, I. Oh no, go for it, please. I I um, I, I mean, accent humor is can be funny, but um. It's for me a more subtle accent is more you 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 buy the character more when they're really exaggerated they become a little a little clownish um, so yeah the, and- the accent is is purposefully vague and subtle. I actually think that one of the things you pull off great in the movie Dan and I were 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 just talking about this. Uh, you are are uh you sell sort of the uh the comedy of this movie which is is very understated i think in a lot of the the dialogue your delivery is really funny in in a i don't know how would you describe that dan it's like uh, i would say that it's 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 dry yeah but it's it's very well written dry yeah um and, and, and I actually, I wonder how much of it is written and how much is just uh, you riffing. Yeah. Uh, and I think the accent plays into how well that stuff works, by the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, for some reason, when I do the Benet character live, it's really easy to get laughs. I mean, the, if I did the same material without the accent, without the character, 
just wouldn't be quite as funny. But um, <laughs> as far as the script goes, the um, it's almost entirely written, though some of the scenes I wrote an hour before we shot. For example, <laughs> um, the there's a scene where Beefy and Benet are watching this 9-11 conspiracy theory documentary. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> which is one of my favorite uh, gags because that stuff is so hilarious. But... <laughs> And in the master shot, my neighbor's cat just walked into the kitchen, walked into the apartment, walked down the hallway, walked right through the master shot. And uh, when we finished the take, Dallas, who shot the film, said, hey, man, that was great. And the cat walked right into the shot. So I looked at the at the take and it was so clear. <laughs> I thought, well, that's we've now established the cat in the room. Let's do let me write a scene with the cat. So I I quickly wrote this little um and some of those, I think, were jokes that I had done before mm -hmm. about cats and dogs. And I, so I pieced that together, and then I thought, let's, and then let's have Benet return the cat. So all that was done, you know, on the spot. But it's written, it's tweaked, and then we shoot it rather than roll the camera, see what comes out of your mouth. There is very little of that in the movie. That's fascinating, yeah, because it really it plays in the moment, and I mean that in like a, a very positive, complimentary way. Uh, it, it all plays very in the moment, uh, where I, I was actually pretty convinced that there was some improv to it. Um, and actually, that it's scene the... itself uh, is great. I, I really like that <laughs> scene between you and the neighbor, because it also establishes, it sort of reestablishes some of the stakes of the movie, like midway through yeah. the movie. The idea that you have to hide your face from him while you return his cat sort of reestablishes some of the stakes of the movie. It actually works very well in the context where it takes place. Yeah, thanks. It's it's and that stuff is very hard to write months in advance to have it feel that fresh and interesting because it only occurred to me because the cat walked into the shot. I would never ever plan to use an animal in a movie because <laughs> they're not going to do there's no way we could have got that cat to do that. Right, no right. way. I think right. the takeaway is um, you you must reach out to I am a knife with legs and say we need to combine forces. This happened <laughs> with a cat and it was magic. <laughs> they have walked into the master shot if you will. <laughs> so yeah, That's true. I, I, <laughs> what what is your what is your background? How did you get into filmmaking? Um I uh, grew up in Massachusetts and my dad gave me a Super 8 camera when I was a kid. I started shooting um just little stuff with my buddies and um, was heavily influenced. Road Warrior changed my life. So I, I, Hell after yeah, I saw that movie, great movie. I, I took a super eight camera and bolted it to the bumper of my dad's car upside down. So the lens was two inches from the pavement and just drove around like a maniac and then <laughs> put that on video and flipped it. And, and I was just obsessed with that in road warrior that image of of pavement going by but um oh yeah yeah that is but i i just striking there, thing to picture about that movie yeah. oh my god that that movie is just it's perfect but um the uh so i just was really into uh i mean we went to a lot of movies and um i think the the uh and i went to art school and shot a few films there and then went to graduate school at cal arts for um uh, film directing and acting and I got really into acting and one of my teachers was uh, Alexander McKendrick who uh, directed Sweet Smell of Success the uh, Burt Lancaster film from um, late 50s I think mm -hmm. so this guy worked with 
he worked with Peter Sellers, Alec Guinness, Burt Lancaster, Tony Curtis. That's incredible. Um, and he was just a force of nature and a real, um, when it came to structure, to story structure, mm. he was just very, very disciplined about not wasting time, about getting to the point. And uh, so after CalArts, I did acting gigs here and there. I got into improv. I did a lot more, got a lot more uh, into comedy writing out here in L.A., um, improv is a fantastic tool for writing comedy. I think it's people think of, you know, going to improv shows and that's great, but it really opens up your mind in terms of finding the funny. So, and at, uh, somewhere in the late nineties, I started doing this Benet character. <laughs> um, just, I, I put together a Euro pop band with my girlfriend at the time and a few musicians for a party. We did a couple gigs. And then I broke up with her and then I started doing it solo and it kind of morphed into what it became because just the <laughs> material got a little tighter. Um, and he became sort of my alter ego. He was way more confident than me. <laughs> it certainly shows in the movie because this is, of course, my intro to the world of Benet. And, uh, yeah. you know, he's he's not just a, he's not like a Larry the Cable guy where I can just pin, like, I couldn't do a Benet. I could give you a good Larry the Cable guy. Yeah. But Benet feels very lived in, and to know that there's a history to him makes a perfect amount of sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, I mean, it, and it is a very, I mean, you look at, like, um, you know, a lot of movie stars, they've been playing, they're so comfortable being themselves on screen, George Clooney or whoever, mm -hmm. that there's no distinction you know, when the camera rolls, they don't suddenly go into performance mode, as far as I know. They just, you believe him. And I've been doing Benet for so long that I know exactly how he says everything. Right. <laughs> and it, it's, it's honestly, because acting can be really, it can be very tough if you don't know what you're doing. If you haven't made choices, it can be really awkward and stiff and you're, you're um, you know, sort of uh, checking yourself and you're just not comfortable and your performance doesn't work. But when you completely know what you're doing, it's the easiest thing in the world. And uh, the um, so I was doing the, this solo act and writing this material, getting better with guitar and writing music. And then um, in 2005, I this terrible tragedy happened. Um, a woman I was involved with uh, had a brain aneurysm. Oh my god. And uh, she passed away. Holy shit! And it was yeah, it was it was really you know I'd never experienced anything like that before. Um, and it was uh, as you can imagine, just extremely traumatic. And uh, you know I, I I kept you know tried to get on with my life and this and that, and I you know did some therapy to work on all that grief stuff and. I had this reflexive uh, need to sort of transform this tragedy into some sort of uh, creative expression. I think that happens to a lot of people when they lose somebody. And, and uh, when I decided to make a feature about Benet, I felt like, well, maybe he should be dealing with a loss like this because there is a lot of, a lot of truth in there and a lot of potential for the... Um, you know, weird, dark comedy, but also something people can really relate to. And, you know, something I can really 
if I'm going to spend thousands of hours on this project, it's actually got a soul you know it's got a, a heart to it mm-hmm. we were talking um, about this the style of this movie being there's such a fine line to walk when you're doing stuff that's so aggressively visual like that yeah but uh it felt lyrical mm-hmm. and i think what you're telling us now that soul to it is perhaps what i connected with that kept it from being you know so aggressive that i might check out um, you know, even when there's crazy colors flashing around and it's just pure madness on screen, I did feel engaged. Mm-hmm. And now that now that you're telling the story, I I do feel that some of the root of it uh, definitely lies in that. This movie does have a heart. It's it mm-hmm. really is what keeps you invested, and that's uh, I mean that's a, a crazy tragedy. But uh, it I mean you can feel the way it informs the movie. It's uh, which is is really impressive. Actually, I don't know that you know. Well, thanks. It, it's and it. I mean, there are many. I, I actually just last spring I saw a one-man show in New York that had a similar reason for being. This guy, uh, his sister passed away, and he wrote this piece. And while I feel terrible for the guy, it, the way he incorporated this loss was it was very clunky, and it it didn't. Uh, it was. It was it was just so aggressively about her and specifically, you know, you know, there were even images of her in the show. It just didn't. It's a danger because ultimately, I didn't want the movie to like. I I I only so often mentioned the this particular inspiration for it, but you know, enough time has passed, I guess. But I didn't want it to be to overwhelm the film. I wanted it to be a fun, funny movie. Yeah, and it um, is. But. Well, they... uh, thank you. But, um, there are 250 laughs in it. If you actually laugh at each one, <laughs> the fact I, that you I, know that is—I'm impressed. <laughs> that is—I was uh... curious, and I watched it again and counted each time that one a person might laugh. <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily laugh at all of them, but uh... well, I'd say many of them hit because I laughed very consistently throughout <laughs> throughout the entire thing. I, I'm t- I'm telling you, man. I I kept saying to Dan that uh, one of the things that entertained me about this movie so much was uh, it it kept uh, and I I really do mean this in the best possible way. It kept entertaining me almost in spite of itself. There were moments in the movie where I would get a little bit frustrated with it, where I was like, yeah. I don't I don't <laughs> quite know what I'm supposed to take away from this or what exactly is going on. And then in the midst of that, I would have just one of the biggest laughs I've had watching something in, in a long time. Uh, it, it just kept surprising me and like just it kept almost like reinvigorating itself which kept reinvigorating me and like within scenes over and over again it was yeah. it was fascinating that's probably me as the editor trying to keep myself interested in the movie <laughs> that's as a... i'm cutting these movies i'm like i'm getting bored something has to happen here uh-huh. um or like a lot of the gags if the the and I've, I saw a bunch of comedies on the circuit. I went to about 20 festivals in the last 18 months, mostly, you know, heavy dramas or genre pictures, but a few comedies, some with some really great moments, um, really great talent. But a consistent mistake is they they get a joke, they have a premise, they have a setup, and they dig a little bit, and then they move on. They don't dive into it and just see what's underneath there and how 
like the whole concert t-shirts gag in the beginning <laughs> yeah. to me i i absolutely love that joke it's so stupid <laughs> and it but it but it starts it's a joke and then a joke and then a joke and then a joke yeah. but it's motivated by you know benet's like you know my girlfriend my new girlfriend ran <laughs> off <laughs> so he's upset but the 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 um and there's even a longer version but um <laughs> You know, I could have been one joke. It could have been a one-liner. Sure. Um, oh, yeah. But sometimes... But when you do that, like you were saying, how there are moments where you get a little frustrated, if it's not leading somewhere... Yeah. If it just frustrate, frustrate, and then a brand new scene, and there's no payoff to the time you just invested... Right. ...you feel dipped, you know. That's when boredom... And you can start getting annoyed. One of my favorite moments of that type of just consistent escalation... Is when you and Beefy, you, uh, Benet and Beefy, <laughs> See, I can't, I can't separate you. Uh, Benet and Beefy are, dis, you know, did, uh, basically having a, a big dick contest over what size bullet they right. would take <laughs> for the other one. And there's a part where Benet suggests that if the whole universe were the head of a pin, then in that universe, you would jump in front of that comet. And right. I almost wanted to pause the movie to just like let that idea <laughs> swim around in my brain and wash over me. And it 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 was like this crazy, incredible sci-fi concept done in the part of a throwaway segment of an escalating joke. And there's such value there. Um, both Garrett and I have a background in comedy. We're both stand-up yeah. comics. And oh, cool. So to hear you say about that uh, not digging around in a yeah. joke is something that rings very true. Oh, yeah. Because... Um, specifically when you're on the stage and I'm sure performing with Benet, there's a line where it's like, you're digging, you're digging, you're digging. And you got to be so careful not to alienate or, or discomfort your audience. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's, it feels safer to just not dig. Right. And uh, it's, and when you say that a lot of this came out in editing, that is something that as a comedian who is is doing just instant feedback from the audience, oh my god, I wish I had an editing machine yeah. <laughs> to recraft those jokes, and uh, and I, I I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there is something uh, performing live is 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 really awesome because it's I mean, there's nothing like it. But yes, you you and you know if you're going to have months to write a script and then it better work you know because mm -hmm. if you have all that time and it and the jokes aren't working then what's going on <laughs> but it, uh... so one of the things i, I kind of wanted to actually this goes back to something you were just talking about before i loved the music in this movie man <laughs> i really and i legitimately like not only are the songs funny they're they're very funny but i actually like liked the songs in this movie <laughs> a lot uh to the point where i tried to look up the soundtrack while i was at work the other day uh but couldn't find it anywhere uh <laughs> oh um well if you go to the website <coughs> sorry Which there um, will be a link on our page yeah. uh, to the website so listeners uh definitely check this out oh yeah uh, yeah, I'm an legs dot com or I'm an legs dot bhxt. They're the same thing, okay? Um, basically, but uh, there's a listen to the soundtrack or get the soundtrack. Oh, fantastic! And that'll, direct you to, that'll go to uh, Bandcamp. I'm the, I'm uh, the dummy the that was trying to find like a YouTube stream of it, so that was my fault. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, well, it you know I I. You know, I like Frank Zappa. I like uh, Tenacious D. Yeah, it shows. Yep. Um, Flight of the Concords. Yeah, you know, it's it's 
I haven't actually listened to them much. It's this is sort of funny, and if you get the DVD with special features, you'll see it. There's a whole scene about about them. <laughs> That's what immediately conjured the, with a lot of the songs yeah, in my the, head. I so 2007, I shot most of the movie and wrapped on a Friday. I shot it all in my apartment. And, yeah. Uh, How long was your shoot, if you don't let me ask it? Um, about 14 days, spread out over two years. <laughs> okay. Oh, cool. Um, to, due to injuries, I we kept putting off the chase because I kept straining an elbow or whatever. <laughs> but um, the so. We finished shooting all week. Stunts too. Wow. I did. Yeah, I, I got really into parkour. But uh, <laughs> um, the and I went over to friends and and he had HBO. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Hey, you want to watch this new show? It's called Flight of the Concords." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, sure." He turns it on. And I said, "Turn it off. That's my movie. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with this show at all. It's." It's two guys in an apartment, busting into song, accent humor, Mm -hmm. deadpan humor. There's Mm -hmm. too many similarities, and so I never watched it again. I think that's good on you, actually. Yeah, Yeah, I I think you ended up making something uh, that is distinct uh, and unique because of that. It conjured it, uh, you know, based on all of what you just said alone, but I would would never have thought, like... You know, there was a copying going on or anything like that. It's certainly... uh, Benet is uh, quite his own thing. It didn't... I was expecting a little more fallout from that coincidence. Nah. Um, like the Hollywood reporter said, um, knife with legs owes much to flight of the Concords. And that was like, Oh yeah, little, little annoying, but, but I don't um, think for the, the most part. Yeah. I don't think the movie feels that way. If I'm being honest, I, I, yeah. I, I definitely, uh, it called it to mind. I, you know, I thought it at some point in the movie, but like as a passing thought, not as like a, you know, this is really starting to fucking feel like flight of the, it, it really right. stands <laughs> out on its own. I think, <laughs> And the other one is uh, um, Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job. Oh, yeah. Which I had never seen until, you know, I was deep into the editing. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of it. Yeah, I, I and, certainly uh, thought about that at some point, too. I mean, there, I, uh, you know, there's no reason for me not to be honest with you about this, but I was, like, uh, super baked when I watched your movie. <laughs> and, boy, does this movie really seem like it's trying to play to me. <laughs> uh, there were just sequences that were so trippy, but were, like, they, I don't know. They were like really. Well, there's a poetry to that. Yeah, you know, you can do it where it's so aggressive that you can just tune someone out. No, yeah. But there's I was there's a it. lyricism and a poetry to it that that makes it. You know, it's like watching a, a good music video, yeah. but you're watching an insane parkour <laughs> yeah. action right. dramedy. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the music, I I I had done sort of straight up funny tunes as Benet, but mm-hmm. I really wanted to. You know, there's going to be some humor in the music, but I was really trying to write good songs. They're fucking good very... songs, man. Oh, thanks, thanks. <laughs> it, it's hard, man. It is, and that what ended up in the soundtrack was um, many, many versions different than the original quick track we had when we were shooting those, like completely different melodies. Oh, I rewrote cool. and rewrote and rewrote, and um, like the one "Give It Up for the Dudes in the Cafe" song, I. I <laughs> Basically took a straight ahead rock beat on that, and after the movie was completely edited, I rewrote it, re-recorded it with a a swing, more of a ska beat, mm-hmm. and then the the song in the chase scene, which is sung by my friend Grace, oh, I wrote yeah. that for a for a um a web series um that we did together. So I wrote it for a completely different project, but it was 
way better than the existing Chase <laughs> that's theme a good tune, song. so I stuck that in. Yeah, I, it's um, my favorite song on there. One it, time way back in the day, I was waiting for a train, and a guy randomly offered me a section of his newspaper. Much <laughs> like this guy was not interested in, in anything like that, but he gave me the sports section, and uh, I don't I don't watch any sports but I didn't want to go back up to him and be like, hey, can I have um, a, a better right. section more can suited to my financial needs? financial <laughs> time? Yeah. That would have been only slightly better. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was based on a true story of a guy who just offered me a section of his paper at the cafe. <laughs> and he didn't want to do a stop and chat. Kudos hey, to him. Speaking of the music, can I, can I ask, uh, so why why did you end up titling it uh i am a knife with legs because that, so that's one of the lyrics from one of the early songs right, in the yeah. movie uh was that always the title had you thought about using other lyrics from other songs or um the when i was when i was writing the um the script and i i i really the the plot is so simple um in terms of the you know the the basically waiting for this thing to happen. So these guys are, you know, Beefy's in the early drafts, he's, he's talking to Benet, we need to train you. You've got to get ready for this assassin. <laughs> and SSM. Was, SSM. <laughs> the SSM. And the, he has this whole speech where like, so, and it was kind of like a, a parody of a Bruce Lee speech <laughs> where he's saying, you've, in order to fight this guy, you're going to have to become like a knife with legs <laughs> that can fly that has a bag of eggs and that has a cat and then there's also a bunch of birds and you know just the idea of this ridiculous metaphor that was nonsensical and just and then when i started drawing when i decided to use drawings to do the stuff that i couldn't shoot oh, yeah. i thought well this is funny if each drawing just is on top of the last drawing until the end drawing is just a big fucking scribbly mess <laughs> it just cracked me up and like Woody Allen says, when you write a joke, you're not, you're, you're actually telling yourself a joke hmm. and you actually laugh, hopefully at your own joke that you just wrote because you just told yourself a funny joke. <laughs> You've never Surprise heard it before. Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And if, so you need that to happen um, or else, you know, eh, that's probably not very funny. And that was totally happening. And, and then when I wrote the song, I thought, well, that's a great title because it's, it's, it's first person. It's sort of like um, like a declaration of you know big decision, but it's sort of nonsensical, um, and it's vaguely not that vaguely, but it's pretty phallic. <laughs> the whole uh, knife and leg thing. That's yeah. just embedded into uh, yeah. <laughs> in everything. Somehow I haven't gotten a whole lot of flack for that, but it really is pretty phallic. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that's how the the title came up, and it was never. I'd never had any question about about changing it. Oh, so it was it yeah, was just it stuck. Was just that was it. Yeah. Uh it I mean it's yeah. it is a great title. It it uh I cert there were certainly there was like no I other could see a band maybe using it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh there was certainly no other like lyric throughout the movie that I was like, Oh, maybe that you know, I but I was just curious if, uh because it came from the right. music if there was something else. Um you, you brought up that uh you had decided to draw anything that you can't afford. <laughs> And uh, I, I, for one thing, I, I was that was one of the things that I that I just loved about the movie. It, it the movie has this manic energy, and it keeps cutting back and forth between animated things and live action things. And now there's music, and now sometimes there's animated things on top of the live action things. And 
It's just, it's got this like manic energy that comes from all of these sort of various elements that are at play uh, at any given time in the movie. Uh, and it was what I what I think is so successful with the movie is. You know, I think as a as a film nerd and and as a, a guy that produces his own things himself, like I, I guess I sort of recognize that, like, oh, what a smart way to do something you might not be able to afford to do. You can't get a good shot of a, uh, you know, a piece of software, so you just draw it or whatever. Um, right. But yeah. I think in the movie, it really plays as choices you are making. It doesn't play as like I'm up against a wall and I can't afford to do this thing. It right. plays as choices <laughs> that are made for this movie that really work for this movie. Uh, and yeah. I was very impressed by that, the way that that all comes off. Yeah, it didn't seem oh, nice. uh, it didn't seem like a band aid, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and the it, style really it started to settle into after you know I I spent a, a very abnormal amount of time in post production, which most films don't have the luxury of doing. Mm-hmm. And the big challenge is if you're making a movie with so little money. Um, with just you know, uh, you know the the uh, the to make it look like a movie is mm-hmm. very difficult, mm-hmm. and um, so the the layers and layers of the of the drawings and then even the 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 just the more saturated color and the when when Benet's randomly glowing, stuff, <laughs> yeah, that stuff, and at the same time acknowledging like how cheap it is. Like, um, I think there might even be shots with like a, a C stand in the background, mm-hmm. you know, like actual uh, <laughs> um, crew gear. Right on, <laughs> on. Um, it sort of develops, starts to become a cohesive style. And, it, and, it, and yeah, that's what you want is to make everything look like it's really intentional. So something that may was maybe started as a Band-Aid I just kept working and working and tweaking until it until it was very obviously intentional. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, you one of the things that struck me was uh, one of the very early scenes in the movie is Benet explaining his backstory, which is hilarious, uh, and is all done to sort of this animated flashback sequence. Mm-hmm. And so you very early on establish that this movie can be both of these things and will be both right. of these things. And then I believe it's it's the very next shot you leave an animated character. I'm just now realizing why you did this as I'm talking to you about this. This is the one I was, I kept telling Dan how frustrated I was with the animated character <laughs> that kept running around. I was like, that was one of the things that frustrated me. I feel like but, I barely <laughs> noticed it because nine times out of 10, I just went, <laughs> yeah, I, for some reason I kept frustrating, me, but I'm now realizing why you did it, which is just, I'm pretty sure the immediately when you come from that animated sequence, that character remains in the frame for a little while and there was no right. purpose to it to me, and it frustrated me, but I'm realizing now the purpose of it is it links the animated stuff to the live-action stuff, and it convinces the audience that these are choices that are being made, and that this is the style of the movie, and allows you from that point to kind of do whatever the fuck you want, and I'm on board for it. it, it, yeah. it it's pretty yeah. impressive. I, I, and I'm assu- are, are those choices you made, were you like consciously sort of structuring it that way? Oh, yeah. The, in, in a lot of it, I just wanted to when I first started editing, I had never done digital editing. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I saw what you could do with final cut, I, I was blown away. Yeah. I couldn't believe I, you know, these effects are super cheesy, but the colors you can bring out of a shot mm-hmm. are so just glorious. And the crazy, you know, these silly filters, the slit scan filter <laughs> or whatever, you know, this is the stuff that MGMT uses in one of their 
music videos, and it's gorgeous. Yeah. Just because it's super cheap and right out of the box of Final Cut Pro effects doesn't make it any less awesome. So well, I'd say you I have started, an eye for how to use it. Mm-hmm. I mean, any, any tool is useful if you use it right. And yeah. you've found a, a, a strange world where, where these things can be used for you know, pretty, uh, I, I, would, I would say, weighty choices. They, mm-hmm. they do work to, to benefit the film. Yeah, if you, if you well, like the first um, incarnations of Benet busting into Knife with Legs song, mm-hmm. um, when he started singing, Beefy just suddenly shrank down to this teeny little person in the background <laughs> for no particular reason other than just like we're focusing on Benet and Beefy just shrank. Mm-hmm. And he's just floating little teeny Beefy in the background. <laughs> Just I tried that, and then I tried. You know, I would just try this stuff. Floating it teeny makes a beefy, point, but yeah. it's basically just kind of allowing myself to to break a bunch of rules. And yeah, the the little Benet um, <laughs> avatar who pops his head in and just yeah. I I an, another early cut. Um, he was just like stuck in the corner of a frame. <laughs> Wait, through like, the whole just, movie? Not through the whole movie, but just like as if the whoever did the graphics was just not paying attention <laughs> and just stuck there and just like and that was just a little too much uh, i would have thrown um, my my computer out the see, window if that guy it, remained in the yeah. corner <laughs> that's where it dips into tim and eric territory <laughs> yeah uh yes, when stuff like exactly. that happens because i love tim and eric but there's more than a few times where i'll be watching something where i'm like all right i gotta take a i gotta take a breather yeah um and, yeah, and it's that get, type it, of glitch it, it is, is a it is I mean, you you get too indulgent, and then you um, you lose track of the bigger laughs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so yeah, there's I mean, I, I and I cut about 14 minutes of the original cut, but yeah, there was a bunch of gags that I was cracking up. But I would show I pretty much just ran it by one friend of mine, who my friend Matthew, who plays the inflatable robot assassin. <laughs> um, Without that was a visual away. that I I was completely sold on, and yep. when I realized how lo-fi it was, yep. but how well it captured the idea of an inflatable assassin, kind of blew my mind a little bit. That's impressive. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, it's amazing what one little sound effect. <laughs> yeah. You know, yes. All Tommy does is just sort of pretend to turn a knob, and you hear this air escaping. Yep. And you buy it. It's a. It's yeah. No, totally. You know. No. No CG on that one, but anyway, he <laughs> not an ounce, really, <laughs> not an ounce. Impressive, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you don't want those gags to get too, um, you know. It, it's it's uh, that is what, um, yeah. The same thing with Tim and Eric. I think they often rely on. They just kind of beat the same gag to death of like, look at how bad the lighting is. No. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. we get uh, it. Well, and it's it. That's a little bit of what we were talking about earlier with digging into something. There, there is that that line sometimes where people dig a little too far. They, you know, they go beyond yeah. the pale a little bit. Um, and uh, I, I think you know, uh, again, just to to compliment your movie, it it just succeeds at digging far enough and then and then moving on. You know, it gets right right to the line. It's it's, it's pretty magical. Thanks, you guys. I really, I'm glad you dug it. I uh, sincerely, I like. We watched the trailer, and I was like, <laughs> okay. I was like, I, I think the first thing you said to me was, "You think that guy's real?" Yeah. <laughs> 
I was like, all right, I kind of see what this is. I'm I'm curious for sure. Uh, but I I I got I to tell you, I was concerned. I was like, well, we're gonna watch this guy's movie and then have to talk to him. So let's. And it just, <laughs> I, it was. Um, I'm telling you, it was like it really. I just was thrilled the whole time. I was like, I really enjoyed the experience of watching this. I really think that it is a great midnight movie, actually. Like, I, I would like to see this oh, on the yeah. big screen with an audience because I really think it would play. I, have you oh, I, it, You it said you're taking it to some great. festivals, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, well I've been uh, to about 28 festivals, and, and I, went to, um, I went to a lot of them. So I've seen probably 20, 25 screenings with audiences. And um, the only place it didn't totally kill was probably Germany um, in Oldenburg. They liked it, but not so, you know, there's a bit, even though they do speak English, pretty much everybody speaks English there, but there's still, there is a lot of jokes that just weren't landing, I could tell. Do you, do you but, think, uh, uh, ben, do you think Benet's vaguely European uh, fake accent <laughs> had anything to do with that? Um, it may have made it hard for them to get the nuances of why why that is funny. Yeah, funny. I guess the accent's sure. less funny if you have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in, interestingly, in Paris, in the south of France, it played a festival and then it played Paris in November. And they uh, provided subtitles for me. I gave them oh. a transcript. They made subtitles, which is great because that's mm -hmm. like a big hassle. <laughs> yeah. And the woman who did them, um, my friend Celia, really managed to keep the humor intact in this in the subtitles. Oh interesting. So, did, so awesome. did she make like spelling choices that matched some of the accent choices you're making or like how did um, she, how was she able to capture that? Um the I for some reason <coughs> sorry um lo, less was lost than I would have expected. I I don't speak French so I don't know what she did. <laughs> but, um <laughs> But the like the assassin joke actually played fine. Oh, right? that's very thought, wild. I, yeah. But I think most of the audience could speak at least some English. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that was, I mean, it was amazing to play it in Paris because um, Benet originally it was way back. He was a French guy, and then I decided, yeah, let's just make him European. It's <laughs> it's, it's, it's funnier. But he's definitely. I, I'm. I'm hugely influenced by French film, Godard and Truffaut, and mm -hmm. all those great movies. Not only the movies, but the way they shot them. They would just go out in the street and shoot a movie, and oh, like yeah. we shot in Chinatown, and just ran through. And I didn't get a release from all those people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's impossible. But well, yep. hopefully that won't come back to haunt me. But yeah. um, check the time code. We'll bleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The the uh, we were. Um, we took this tour in November from Helsinki, did a festival there, and then went to uh, Stockholm, Copenhagen, Berlin, and Paris. And uh, <coughs> I brought uh, Beefy along with me, and we decided on some more uh, low-key costumes, mm -hmm. and I got a really nice uh, Panasonic GH4 uh, 4K camera oh. and some sound gear. And we shot scenes in just me and Beefy, no crew. In, uh, <laughs> although my friend Peter Kaplowski did help out in Helsinki. Um, just a shout out to Peter. Uh, shout out to Peter. Um, and my friend, uh, Buddy Giovinazzo, who's a filmmaker. He lives in, in Berlin now. He's, you might have heard of his stuff. Combat Shock is one of his movies. Oh, yeah. I actually just went um, to a festival that had Combat Shock in it. 
I've been trying to hunt down the soundtrack to that movie forever. Oh, and I, I'll, I'll, I cannot I can, find it. I can email Buddy and get it for you. Oh, if you um, could. He, oh, that would be amazing. So we, we shot these scenes. Uh, we shot a scene on a cruise ship across the Baltic. We shot a scene in Stockholm, Copenhagen, and Berlin. I got a great scene of Buddy interviewing Benet. And it's uh, very much a parody of the scene in Breathless where Gene Sieber goes to interview this pretentious guy um, by the airport or something. And he talks about life and philosophy. But uh, and then we shot in the Louvre um, and we shot a, uh, this cafe scene in Paris, all of this guerrilla style and came back with some amazing footage uh, that I'm going to be cutting together and having as part of the DVD release. That's cool. Oh, Benet in Europe. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Do you so post festival run? Did you guys get any kind of uh, distribution for your movie? Like when you do the DVD release, do you have somebody <laughs> you're doing it through? Well, I got offers last summer, some some very standard, decent offers from legit companies, mm-hmm. um, and I took the uh, possibly stupid um, <laughs> path, but maybe not. I decided, you know what, this movie has this strange uniqueness. Um, the people who see it are getting really rabid about it. There's, they're doing fan art. That's um, cool. There's, there are people having parties where they, I'll, I'll do a Skype call. Like there was one in, um, in Chagrin Falls. My friend Julia up there, she had a party, and I, Benet, uh, Skyped in and um, answered questions and then just recently another one i think in maryland um where i sent them a little video intro um so there's this uh real kind of a grassroots super fan base or people are really into the movie and i thought you know maybe it just needs time and maybe exposure like getting on podcasts like yours uh, which is... I mean, this is the final step uh, right here. <laughs> You're going to get calls from the Academy like tomorrow. Not Before we even drop it, they're going to yeah. be like, we heard. They're, they're going to be like, listen... Somehow I'm, I'm already getting an email from uh, from Weinstein. I don't know how he <laughs> oh already Oh my goodness. Tell Harvey, I said, tell Harvey that Scully says what up. <laughs> um, but uh, So I decided to, to roll the dice and go with uh, a self-distribution yeah. on the VHX platform. Mm-hmm. You can basically purchase or rent the movie just like you would on Amazon or iTunes. It's just yeah. that it's through my website. And um, so the big challenge is just getting people uh, interested in the film and, and guiding them towards that. And this is IamANifeWithLegs.com. That is it, yes. Awesome. There we go. Uh, it's, so do you, I mean, just out of curiosity, I'm... I'm um, like do you do you screen it places or if or if people are interested in screening it is that a thing they could do to 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 get the word out yeah it's still i'm still getting even though the you know the festival run essentially ended in uh december and and it was uh available online as of late november i'm still getting interest in in festivals and screening series Mm mm-hmm um, to play it, which is a good sign because some of these, like I bumped into Brian Usna in Helsinki. He produced uh, Brian Usna. He's the he did a, a Beyond Reanimator. Yeah, I loved yeah. Beyond Reanimator. A penis um, fought a rat. It's incredible. <laughs> so he, uh, uh, his films, um, you know, they're they definitely have cult status. So they, many years later, they pop up and they want to screen it here, here, here. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so he has an arrangement where they, they um, basically you're just uh, licensing the film for that screening. Maybe they fly you out, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, which is great. I mean, if it, so if the movie has that kind of staying power and my decision to self-distribute um, was the right one, I may find that you know, a year from now, lots and lots of people know about the film which will help uh, with the sequel, which I'm writing now and um, working with the, uh, the same cast, um, the little girl who was six when we shot her, when we she wrapped was her, is, she's now 14 <laughs> and really stunning, really sweet girl and really wants to uh, do the sequel as does Tommy who plays the assassin. Everybody's basically on board. That's incredible. <laughs> That's awesome. Return of Benet. I think it'll be, it'll be, you know, I've, I've, and it's going to be a huge leap. It's not going to be like, you know, when sometimes they, they do a sequel of a movie, but it's really, they get a little more money and they just remake it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not so you're going to go, you're going to go diametrically opposite. Give us something brand new. Um, yeah. It's going to be, you know, R-rated, really violent. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is the best news. Replace me with David Caruso. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, d- wait. So, uh, d- do you? So, are you? Uh, are you at a point where you're thinking, like, you know, you're going to be able to basically? Are you saying you're going to be able to pull down a budget? You think from like from this movie and how just the response it's gotten, uh, you're going to be able to parlay that into sort of uh, bigger things. It sounds like you you already are on that path. Yeah, I think so. There, I mean, the the um, the standard marketing thing these days. Even um, uh, the latest film by Charlie Kaufman, mm-hmm. I believe, was was a Kickstarter funded or partially. It was indeed. That's correct. Yep. Um, so I think that's kind of pretty standard now, and and it's certainly um, uh, a safer way to go. But yeah, if if the sequel happens, yeah, I I, I would only go into it with you know, with money secured so we can... Because you've got the intention this, this to, is... to be bigger and, and do it a little a little bigger, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it would be... It, would be... <laughs> it uh, the... the um, I mean, it would be fun it, as much as I love I'm a knife with legs. It really is just, you know, a couple guys in an apartment. <laughs> and it be nice to get out in the world. Um, but also be nice as like a sort of gift to the cast. Yeah. I mean, I paid everybody on the first film, just, you know, your basic hundred bucks a day thing. Sure. But it'd be nice for them to to get a movie with a budget with that's going to look great and that's going to get a distribution deal. And, you know, if you can set the distribution up even before you start shooting it, you know, and if, if the movie has that, if I'm an legs has enough traction um, and can trigger a distributor being involved from the beginning, then you, it's a little more you do things the standard way. And, and when mm-hmm. you do it, it, as long as the movie can still be great, then, you know, everyone will hear about it rather than right. this. It's a real struggle. To, mm-hmm. I mean, making this movie was a colossal struggle. And, I mean, you said uh, it took you, what, seven years? Well, it, I would say three years of full-time work mm-hmm. spread out over a little over six years, and then I sent it out to Fantasia and then, yeah, months later, that's that's like some Peter Jackson level shit, man. That's uh, that is a lot of hard work. Yeah, and just um, very, very. I mean, I'm a much faster editor now. I'm a faster sound um, 
designer, sound mixer in mm -hmm. terms of music and all that stuff. So I was new to these programs. That was a big part of it too. It's just mm -hmm. learning the ins and outs of that stuff. Um, well, but I, can, I was also if I can pay you diving in, what, sorry, <laughs> if I can pay no if I can pay you a compliment. Um, very recently, I watched the movie Blood Simple for the first time. Oh yeah, and Coen I Brothers. had a uh, a very similar reaction where I immediately thought to myself while watching both that and Knife with Legs was that, oh man, I could make a movie. But at the same time, I was thinking, man, these guys know how to make a movie. <laughs> and uh, so I just, I, I think the, the lo-fi architecture that you have going on being used to full artistry is a very attractive thing. So I think the sequel will happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you, and you don't want to lose that, I mean, the the um just because a movie you have a bigger budget or something doesn't mean it's going to be better right um or good but but yeah blood simple i remember seeing that when it opened and and it was very um it was so stylish and and really really was quite unique mm -hmm. i mean they really had a um it was kind of riveting that movie but it was a very lo-fi affair. Yep. And without right. without having access to, you know, just to to different resources, it's it's really the poetry of the camera and using it properly and editing sharply to just make something special out of something minimal. Mm -hmm. and, you know, for yeah. for you know, you guys shot it in an apartment. You know, real simple stuff. It's a movie. Yeah. It is definitely a movie. I, I find that uh, just in general, my favorite movies are either very small movies that are defined by their limitations or very big movies that are defined by their, their just oh, their limitless, yeah. you know, their limitless yeah. excess. Uh, the, that middle ground is where things tend to, you know, not be that interesting. I, I tend to like the stuff where it's like, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, so we were forced to make certain creative choices um yeah and and i think that the the reason uh the ones that work and the reason they work uh and it's the reason yours works uh is just that you as an audience member don't feel like they made these choices because they didn't have a lot of money you know uh you feel like these are choices that were made because that's the movie that uh they were trying to make you know yeah yeah and think of like think of music think of uh bands that um like didn't like you you know compare um uh, uh, the lavish production of let's say some lenny kravitz tune <laughs> with with joy division yeah you know joy division's better <laughs> and it's, all his his pedigreed musicians and everything did not make that tune better right a couple of or like uh i mean there or some recordings old recordings of robert johnson that are all scratchy and messed up oh yeah they still work the the um the uh you don't necessarily have to have you know the the, the finest gear is not going to save you mm -hmm. never uh like literally you can't make up for a bad script that's you know that's the thing it's like characters and story i always think end up being the most important thing to a movie because you can't make up for a lack of that with money yeah. or effects or or beautiful imagery I wonder if there's anyone who would take the Lenny Kravitz over the Joy Division and like lose that metaphor entirely. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Lenny Kravitz, he did fly away. His cover of I was just trying to think of, of, uh, I was trying to think of, uh, of uh, my first thought was Steely Dan, but I was like, oh, I like Steely Dan. Yeah, I was like, so I, I was Steely Dan. Of, uh, 
<laughs> I had one guy because of that line about Steely Dan in the movie, um, where we yeah know, likes, dig on dislikes. people who don't like Steely. Yeah, yeah. I was one guy in Texas to that... my desk today. <laughs> There's one guy in Texas at the Q and I said, "Can you explain Steely Dan to me?" <laughs> I said, oh, you don't like Steely Dan? He's like, no. Yeah, sorry, buddy. <laughs> I guess that one wasn't for you, kid. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, listen, Bennett, we don't want to yeah. keep you too long, man. We really appreciate the amount of time you spent with us. Oh, my pleasure. And and thanks so much for having me on, you guys. Yeah, oh, of absolutely. course, of course. Can you, uh, I, I know you, you, you have a little bit of a cough going. I wonder if you can give us a small amount of Benet before you go. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yes. So, um, <laughs> I know comedians hate being asked to tell yeah. jokes, but I really just some audio of Benet would make my day. Yeah. So, man, um, standing right here in the very window that is in uh, I'm a knife of legs, looking out on Los Angeles, all the stupid people driving home from their stupid jobs, <laughs> and just thinking about uh, you know how stupid they are <laughs> and uh, why. Do you why think do Benet? Do you think stupid day? people know they're stupid? Man, you know, it's the thing about stupid people is we're all basically stupid, you know, compared to dolphins is what really stupid people say. They'll say, but dolphins are really smart. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. If dolphins were so smart, why don't they, I don't know, they don't even have hats. They have no accessories at all. They don't know how to make um, anything to make themselves stand out. They all look the same. Uh, but, Benet, if they wore a hat, then it would cover their blowhole, and I, I feel like that might impede breathing. Uh, man, I did not know you were a marine biologist. <laughs> so <clears throat> um, so there's a little sample of... Thank you so much for <laughs> indulging me on that. Yeah. That's uh, that's fantastic. You really uh, can fall into that. That's uh, but, I mean, you fell into it immediately. Yeah. I mean, Benet was on, on fire, ready to go. Yeah, I mean, uh, I did, let me, I should leave you with a better Benet joke. Um, please do well here's some here's a, just a teaser um so man a couple of things that uh, you have to realize at this point anytime you see a a car go by a sedan go by with four dudes in it you know there's a rocket launcher in the trunk man <laughs> if you're in europe and a car goes by with four dudes dude in front dude in passenger seat two dudes in back there's a rocket launcher in the trunk. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? And you so many movies. It's like, here come the bad guys. Four guys in a car. Yeah, yeah you never see that. You never <laughs> see four guys in a car. That's, That's incredible. Yeah. That's, uh, there's literally there's that scene in Sicario where uh, oh, yeah. they're like they're stuck at the uh, the border and they're looking, exactly and they're Everyone's looking around. And, well, they're looking yeah. around and it, there's like women and children and it, and then there's one car with four dudes and of course four those are the bad guys. Yep. Four or look at look Carlos. Yeah. Did you see <laughs> Carlos the Jackal. Yep. The uh, the recent movie. Um, it was like a mini series. Yeah, it was uh, like a French six hour series. movie. Yeah, yeah. Great. No, but like, oh my God, here comes a car of four dudes in it. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a rocket launcher. Oh, oh cooler. That's a funny idea. <laughs> that's a very funny idea. Yeah. Thank you for uh, thank, thank you, you for, for that bit. Yeah. Uh, well, Bennett, thank you welcome. so, so much. Yeah, uh, I hope you are feeling better. I am a knife of legs.com. Yeah. Um, we will be posting that on the website so mm -hmm. you guys can check that out. 
And uh, so, yes, uh, Bennett Jones, thank you so much. Yeah, we loved your movie, man. Uh, and we, oh, we thanks, hope it gets out there some more because uh, uh, people definitely need to see this. It's a good time. Um, <laughs> sorry about that last minute cough, but uh, I'm going to end the yeah, interview really right there. It. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I appreciate it a lot, you, you guys. plug or um, throw out there that we missed, please. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see. The. Um, uh, well, I'm a knife with legs.com or I'm a knife with legs.vhx.tv. Yep. More of a mouthful, but they're basically the same website. And um, let's see if you, well, if you go to the website, you can sign up on the newsletter and I'm working on some sort of incentive things. Um, I've got, you know, working on merch and all that crap. <laughs> but, um, but the, and the soundtrack. and Ford there for a second. <laughs> Which My is incredible, wife, God by damn it. That's the way. Uh, I love that so much. The, oh, goodness. God. Yeah. I may be releasing, I may be doing some interviews with Mr. Ford. Oh, shit. As I'm, I'm going to be shooting these little snippets, some, some stuff to promote the film, but um, I, I definitely want to do an interview with Mr. Ford. That's incredible. Um, I can't yeah. wait to hear what he has to say. Yeah, yeah. What he has to scream. <laughs> Get off my plane. <laughs> Get off my plane. Yes. <laughs> That's a fantastic impression. <laughs> oh, man. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just had to come oh, no, with Harrison okay. Ford before we got um, out of here. Yeah, the, uh, well, he's one of many I do. I do Alec Baldwin and William H. Macy. and. Uh, well, I hope we Mike see them Payne. in the next movie. I hope you can get deals with all of them. Especially yeah, Alec Guinness. I, uh, I hear he's hard to get these days. <laughs> Oh, Alec Guinness. I, I do do Alec Guinness, too, but Alec Baldwin. Baldwin, that's who you said. Sorry. Um, he's got two voices. He's got his... his. Uh, it's great to be on the podcast. <laughs> you guys are my favorite favorite guys in New Jersey. And then he's got his yelling, where he says, the thing about podcasts is this. They suck. All of them suck. <laughs> and he goes back and forth between yelling and then talking like that. Yep. It's, it's the difference between br- brass balls and and uh, coffees for closers. You yeah. go back and forth. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, that is spot on. Oh, I, I hope a uh, few of them get to make appearances in uh, whatever Benet 2 ends up being called. I'll give them a call. <laughs> you know what? I, I always wanted to... I always wanted to I, it's been killing me, but I can't do it. I've been dying to do a Matt Dillon impression my oh, whole life. Yeah. I, Matt I Dillon. Do it. Matt Dillon. He's got a voice that I feel like if yeah, someone could nail like the impression, be, yeah. it would be like the new everybody does a walk in. They'd all do the Matt Dillon. Yeah. And I think it could resurrect his career in, in <laughs> that type not resurrect, I'm sure it's fine. But um, you know, I think it could bring him back into the the world of A movies if an impression was made. But yeah. I can't I can't it do it. It's hard, you know. He, Certain guys are just Matt Damon is damn near impossible. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I anybody does on... a Matt Damon impression, they're just doing the Matt Damon puppet from uh, yeah. World, yeah. Um, Team America. Yeah, there, there. I, I don't think anyone has ever successfully done an impression of him um, anywhere, which is bizarre. Yeah, it's I, true. And I've I worked seen that. on it for about two weeks. I worked on. I was doing. I was working towards an SNL audition a couple years back. Huh. And put together all my material, and they they saw me perform out here, and they liked what they saw, and then I sent a video, and they said thanks, but no thanks. But mm. um, but one of the ones I wanted to add was Matt Damon, and I couldn't crack it, and I used like 
you what you can do is you take a file, a video, put it into Final Cut Pro, slow it down and pitch it up. So basically they're speaking in their normal register, but it's half the speed. And you can actually study inflections. That's how a lot of guys do it. That is fascinating. Um, that blows my mind a little yeah. bit. I've never heard of that. Yeah. I it's, usually try uh, for 20 minutes and then I give up and I'm like, I'm never going to get it. You got it. The 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 I, I I was always pretty good at voices, but it it would just come to me or it didn't. And yeah, but when I was working on this SNL audition, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna actually try to do some guys who nobody does. William H Macy, um, Alec Baldwin. I haven't really seen a good Alec Baldwin. Yeah, um, I don't think I've ever seen anybody do Macy. That's a really interesting one. And he is uh, so so yeah when. When, if I got stuck, like with Baldwin, I had to do this technique where you, you basically slow the file down but keep the same pitch, yeah. and then you can study there. So I memorized this whole thing where he's talking to, he's being interviewed, and he's saying, "When you get into divorce, it's like a Lewis Carroll world where black is white, up is down, in is out." <laughs> he's talking about his divorce with Kim Basinger. But That's amazing! Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> But it took that much time, and it's like I think it, it since I became a musician, I think if you approach impressions the way someone approaches learning a piece on piano or guitar, mm. you know it's it's gonna take hours and hours to yeah. really get it. And it's actually all really these little it. pieces. It's it's not an impression. It's not this big thing. It's all these little pieces that you're that you're yeah, putting together. Yeah, it's not. Learning. It it may come to you all at once, but if you're doing a new voice that no one else really does. Like William H. Macy, I had to figure out exactly how much higher or lower his the pitch is in his voice. And, and I realized that he's just a little bit higher than my voice, but what he has is perfect diction. And that's from studying under David Mamet, who's <laughs> also his master. Um, so you, you've... Uh, the reason you didn't hear any sound is because Dan was coming in his pants as you were doing that. <laughs> I was just watching Fargo literally two days ago and just thinking like, man, William H. Macy would be a good impression. <laughs> yeah, no, I've he's, heard he's, it. That uh, was awesome. It's, um, but that took, you know, that took, it, it didn't all come to me. Harrison Ford, I got right away pretty yeah. much. Which but, is impressive. Um, he actually has like a, a sort of a weird speech pattern that's yeah. hard to hit. Yeah, some guys, there's another guy, a guy who does a really good one who does more of the, puts a little more of the ruff, ruff, ruff into it. <laughs> yep, yep. Ruff, ruff. I um, mean, you actually almost looked like Harrison yeah. Ford in that moment, which is kind of uncanny. Yeah. You, I don't yeah, know you what you do doing. the, he does the, the right corner of his mouth goes up. Mm -hmm. And the key to Harrison Ford impression is act like you've never, like when Harrison Ford enters a room, he acts like he's never seen a room in his life. <laughs> he just looks bewildered at all times. Like, what? That's his acting little gimmick. Like, a room with what are these walls? <laughs> all right, I think I got to get going here, but um, <laughs> yes, that's fine, you. man. Thank so you so much, much for indulging us. Yeah, and entertaining us, by the way. That was, uh, yeah. that was a really good.
<laughs> well, that was fun, wasn't what it? What a great time. What a great interview. With Bennett Jones. <laughs> what a guy. I mean, yeah. when he did that thing, I was like, what? You know? It was good. No, but uh, thank you to Bennett Jones. You guys could check out I Am a Knife with Legs on I Am a Knife with Legs. Dot com. I think it is agreed upon that this is without a doubt a must see. Oh yes, and um, absolutely, a preferably get stoned before you do. Hell yeah, which is a good thing to talk about because once again we have our stoner movie episode of. I like to movie, 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 movie live. So I, I got so caught up in how good my transition oh, man, was you were that fucking, I lost, yeah. I lost the material. I wanted it's to like <laughs> movie, movie live, February seventeenth at Filamoco. I'm done. You go. <laughs> I just wanted to high five you in the middle oh, of your transition. Yeah, we yeah. can do that. Boom. Boom. It's, uh, it's late, even though I, was I completely transition. unstuck the landing. <laughs> That's okay. But it's okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so let's just do a round of plugs. Uh, uh, you know, you watch Bennett's movie and then uh, uh, come see us do a, a stoner show on Wednesday, February 17th. Phil Mocha. Find us on Twitter at I Like Two Movie. That's the number two. Uh, find us on Facebook.com slash I Like Two Movie. Also the number two. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia with an F. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd.com slash Philadelphia. Uh, and I think that does it for me. I don't think I have any plugs for anything. Um, yeah, I am at Dan Scully on every one of those uh, platforms. Twitter, Facebook, uh, Letterboxd. <laughs> and uh, it's been a long night, guys. I'm getting ready for the storm, but I'm stronger than the storm like that song. Um, and uh, you can, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, Cinadelphia.com. Yeah, baby. Um, you should uh, log on there. That is a uh, locally based film website that uh, we cover a lot of fun stuff so check that out and i want to go ahead and drop a real quick recommendation Ooh, upon you if uh if and you if and y'all are willing to accept it <laughs> okay go on go on netflix and watch get the gringo you gotta <laughs> watch it because it's it's not the best movie <laughs> But I missed Mel Gibson, and it definitely brought a, a heaping spoonful of what it is I missed about him. Mm-hmm. And it's just—it's not—it's just a fun movie, and it's on Netflix. Get the Gringo. I'm serious. I highly recommend. You will spend the next seventy to eighty minutes, however long it is, just cheesing and enjoying yourself. It's fun. I'm gonna go get that Gringo. Get that Gringo. <laughs> get the Gringo. Get that Gringo. All right. I think that's it. That'll do it for us. We will uh, see you guys for the Mist in a week or two. Yes. Uh, the Mist in Black and White. We're yes. going to be commenting a lot on that. Which so if I you do watch it see, in so advance, excited. do it in black and white, and yeah. you'll know you're on the same page. Yeah, awesome. We'll see you guys uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, my name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I also am one who likes to do the movie movie. And we all know that you like to do the movie movie because we like, like to, to movie, do the movie do movie. The, it's, yep. Okay, bye. What a nice guy.